You are listening to the Noisy Narratives podcast, a podcast produced by the Women of First Ministries at Frisco First Baptist Church in Frisco, Texas. Here at Noisy Narratives, we like to cut through the noise of our stories and get to the heart of what really matters. We hope you are blessed by what we share. Thank you so much for listening. Isn't it amazing? everyone. Welcome to Noisy Narratives. This is Debbie. I'm here with Christy. Hey, Christy. Hello. We are um, here to talk. <laughs> We've today. already been talking, so this is hard for us we to stop. We have been talking. <laughs> stop and process and push record so that we can actually talk about it. I mean... For our intro. Wait, before you do that, do yeah. you like Valentine's Day? My husband and I do nothing for Valentine's Neither Day. Neither do we. But did you have expectations of guys you, when you dated guys for them to do something for you? Or do they always break up or you always break up with them right before so that you didn't have to do it? No, I had a boyfriend and we did do Valentine's stuff on Valentine's Day. Because you feel like you had you to. You felt like you had to. Yeah. You felt silly if you didn't. You feel like single girls were, now or younger people still feel that way? Yeah. I think the expectations are high for Valentine's Day. That's really? been my experience as I've listened to the younger crowd. Hmm. Yes, for sure. That's sad. They need the freedom to be yeah. like, you don't have to do this. But I think you don't have that freedom till later. Like uh, we didn't even have that freedom. And that was back before there was so much pressure to look a certain way with all the big in things, you know, like they have now, I feel like. You mean like prom requests yes. and, or Valentine's and homecoming like and all that pressure there is on what things are supposed to look but young like. Adults, I hope they don't fall prey to this stupid hole. Yeah, it, it is kind of, it is silly. I mean, it, it's, it's made up by the chocolate companies and Hallmark. Well, and it, a lot of things are. So there's just a lot. And I think now that we're older, especially, we do feel that freedom big yeah. time. And I think when we first got married, there were things we talked about and we felt the freedom to ditch certain things. And Valentine's Day, frankly, was the first thing we were oh, like, sure. out. Yep. Nope. There's enough going on in our lives. We yeah. love each other every day. We're yeah. fine without having. I'm sure Jamie was also <laughs> like, do not buy the $20 box of chocolates. It's sure. going to be $10 we or $5 the next day. <laughs> yes. Just wait till tomorrow, honey. We were. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know my husband uh-huh. so well. Uh-huh. I'm just thinking budget wise. <laughs> well, I mean, and when we got married, we were eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and playing 42, you know, mm-hmm. and that was a date night with friends. Right. I mean, we were just, but we had so much fun. It was, Absolutely. It was great. Yeah. And so there is, but there is a freedom to being like, we don't have to do that just yeah. because it's cultural. But right. what about y'all? What about you? No, we don't do anything you either. Don't. Never have, never will. Yeah. And I tell the kids, you don't have to do any of this. No. If you get a girlfriend, make sure. I mean, none of them have anybody right now, which is nice, but no, I've never, I've never liked it. No. And at any time you're going to make me feel like we have to do something, I am going to abort the mission really fast. But back to relationships. So you're thinking... That's where you were going with this. First, we wanted to see if you yeah, like well, the Yeah, well, the pressure, we were going to talk about the pressure of Valentine's Day, like you were yeah. saying, whether or not it's a thing that you should, you know, follow through with engage or not with your relationship. With. And that's right. Engage with. And I think it's up to you, but definitely be clear with your spouse. Yeah, don't have expectations your, that they don't you know, know your expectations. Exactly. Like you're expecting flowers and then you don't get them and you get mad. I know. I know. We do talk about that. Yeah. I mean, I hear at Noisy Narrative, like ex- clearly communicates your expectations i think so honey you don't have to get me anything yes and then if he doesn't get you anything be okay with that because you communicated that yes and i (laughs) and i i think too to that point i mean even i'm pretty low maintenance but even with 
Jamie and I had to have a conversation like, honey, low maintenance doesn't mean like no, no maintenance. maintenance. Good <laughs> like, point. You know, so just paying attention. Right. I think that's a big thing is more just, I think for a lot of women, we really enjoy it when our men pay attention. Yeah. On a hol- on a day that doesn't say you have to pay attention. Exactly. To us. Yeah. Like just or know it, us. It's worth more. I mean, yeah. Totally. And so I think that's what matters more. So if you're married to someone who's like, I don't care about Valentine's Day, and you both have that conversation, it's because you know each other. Like, right. I mean, I know each other. We've been married almost 30 years. Like, yeah. you go, we know each other. Right. But I think as you're getting to know each other, yes, that's the question. But I do feel bad, to your point, the, the expectations of the day with younger yeah. people dating. It took us a while to feel the freedom to throw off. Yeah. <laughs> okay, but let's get to something else that's more exciting than okay. this. The Super Bowl was last night. Yes. And, um, you, you intro this because yes. okay. you, she brought it up and we were talking earlier and it was funny because at our house, we saw it from two different perspectives. Yes. So Insert I thought this Debbie was kind topic. of a good social experiment <laughs> at the Super Bowl. Um, you know, we have Travis Kelsey and we have Taylor Swift, right? The couple, everybody in the world is mm-hmm. talking about which Taylor Swift's boyfriend, we, Taylor Swift's boyfriend, Travis plays for the Kansas city chiefs. Well, he has his, the coach, Andy Reid, um, who is on the sidelines, um, you know, coaching, paying attention to his little sheet, does mm-hmm. not see Travis coming mm-hmm. next to him mm-hmm. and is startled because Travis starts yelling at him because he mm-hmm. doesn't like a play call that mm-hmm. happened at the previous play, right? Mm-hmm. So he is yelling at Andy Reid, even like grabs his arm at one point mm-hmm. to get his attention. So Andy Reid ends up dropping his play mm-hmm. sheet and is kind of startled, you can tell. And Travis has this look on his face, mm-hmm. like he is angry and he is yelling and it gets caught in such a way on camera that it does not look good. Oh, it looks like, scary. It looks scary. It's like scary I'm him going, I would be scared of you. Right. Yeah. But it starts up on social media, mm-hmm. like immediately, of course. And it's all the way from, you know, he's passionate about the game. He's competitive, you know, all the way to Taylor better, you know, not get, piss him off at the house because yes. that's the look you're going to get. Exactly. And yeah. you're going to get yelled at. And oh my goodness, he's scary. Tell her, Taylor, get out right now. Why yeah. you still can? Red yeah. flag, da, 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 da. And then everything in between, right? Yes. So then my question was, being someone who enjoys sports, like, but is not at all that uber competitive for one. Number two, I would never have dreamed I mean, I had coaches because I played field hockey and netball in the UK until I was 16 and we moved over here. We never dreamed of talking to my coach like that ever, no matter how mad I was. Right. Um, but then coaching, I coached, I did coach for one year, a volleyball team in junior high. Mm -hmm. And if one of my girls had done that to me Mm -hmm. in the middle of a game, Mm -hmm. I'd have benched them. I'd be like, Mm -hmm. you're done. Sit Mm -hmm. down. Mm Mm-hmm. We can have a conversation later about something you didn't like. You don't do that in the middle of the game. So many right? thoughts on your conversation. <laughs> Keep okay. So there's that. But I'm thinking about it purely from a sports thing. Yeah. Okay. I'm not thinking, oh, this is a red flag because he could go home. I never thought of and that treat- way. Yeah. I didn't think of it that way. But we were until I started our- hearing yes, about my living other people. room exposed that side of it and was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that. That's horrible. You've got to go home and live with this. Why would you do this? Taylor Swift, you better break up. And so my sister was at the house with us. And so she always brings a different side to most things in my life, which I appreciate. And so she was like, that is scary. And the rest of us in the room, I'm going to say the rest of us because nobody really was on agreed with Lisa or saw it that way. Like they weren't like, Oh yeah. They were like, "Mm, 
no, he's an athlete. He just got mad. Like that's not, that's not that big a deal. Cause and you're so in a room full of athletes. Cause all your kids I are am. athletes. Yes, they yes. are. Um, and my husband was like, yeah, I don't see anything. And then we had two neighbors. One's a current neighbor. One's a former neighbor that joined us for football every Sunday. And so both of them were like, man, it's not a big deal. But Lisa's, but I didn't even see her perspective, which is what you're talking about on how you've got to go home with this. You better break up with this. But I will say when I did coach high school volleyball, there was probably three or four girls that I had a phenomenal relationship with. And they could talk to me that way, knowing it's not personal. Like they could be like, oh, my God, I'm so mad. And I'll be like, OK, well, you need to settle down and we can talk about it. But I ha- would have had no problem then getting mad in my face not that they would have but they getting get mad a, in your face you yeah. would not have had a problem with no that. i wouldn't because i know their heart like they want to win they're that intense and we had a discussion on that went back to the michael irvin days when he would get intense like that and he would get mad but he never touched our conversation at the house last night it was like he never touched his coaches right and that was a different deal i think by the fact that he touched his coach yes and i was i i personally had no problem any of it i don't i'm not embarrassed to say it but i feel like i should be embarrassed to say it because i feel like it's the super bowl yeah they want to win he didn't get the call that he wanted or the play call he wants the ball more he goes over and again andy reads i mean you set it up really well from where i was sitting watching he's looking down he does not see big man coming even, at him doesn't even see him he's yeah. just startled yeah and mm-hmm. he does have a relationship a great relationship with andy reed that he is going to touch him and say hey coach to get his and attention by touching, what he did was he grabbed his arm yeah like he he didn't like Pushed him. He right. didn't punch him. Like people oh. thought he was pushing. I was like, he no. wasn't. He just was getting his attention. Attention. And he kind of grabbed his arm. Yes. And it startled Andy Reid. Right. And he, when you go back and look at it, but I think what's interesting is, like we were saying earlier before we started recording, I had a dad that was a missionary, but he was highly competitive. Played football in college, basketball in college, and it didn't matter what sport he played, he was super competitive. Uh-huh. Right. I he was different on the field. Yes. Than I knew him off the field. Yes. <laughs> he I saw him lose his cool more playing sports mm-hmm. than I ever did with anything else. And so I do think there's an element of of people who can yes, make it not personal for me. Yeah. I'm looking at someone like that and it always feels personal like in some way in right. the sense of like I was saying I would have benched any uh, anybody yes. who in my coach when I yeah. was playing sports would have done the same thing mm-hmm. like in a, like you can disagree with me that's fine yeah. but you don't do it like that yeah um but Andy Reid comes out later and is saying hey listen this guy keeps me young that's I have right. so much respect for him that's right we respect each other he just startled me because I can't I didn't see him you know I think they're fine so my question is if they're fine as two guys who are competitive do the rest of us does it really matter then? I mean, no. is it? No, people like to make a, a big deal about it. Something out of a mohill, right? What's a mountain yeah. out of a mohill? Yeah. Yeah. And everybody's so sensitive to any kind of touch or reaction mm-hmm. that they go to the nth degree. And now we're applying it to Taylor Swift when he doesn't empty the dishwasher and this happens or she yep. washes the his red jersey with her pink shirt, his pink right. whatever. And why now he's got a pink <laughs> pair of pants or something. His Gucci pants pink because he she did something. I don't I think that's a little extreme. I think I people too. are And I mature think calling enough. it assault, which is what some people are saying. That's ridiculous. No way. And that, See, people yes, said people that? are calling that assault. And that so he sh- and, and I, so my thing is that much. makes real assault look. Oh, that's a good point. That makes 
real assault look not as bad as it really is yeah. because if you're calling that assault then that means it you're putting in the same category Mm-mm. as a real assault and yeah, i'm no. like that's diminishing to women and to other people yeah. who have really had to file charges mm-hmm. for assault i was like that's not assault that's not assault at all that's they have just, a they have a relationship to Andy yeah. Reid actually dismissed it. I mean, to his yeah. point, he actually set the record straight. This is really not a big deal, y'all. It's the yeah. heat of a game of the Super Bowl. He wants to win the Super Bowl. Yeah. He is an athlete. He has a goal. He wants to do it. He's going to do everything he can to do that. And when something doesn't go his way, he's going to get mad. And athletes are babies. They are. They babies. are babies sometimes. I will say, I think they the don't 49ers, get their way. The 49ers are much more classy as a team. Oh. They just are. I heard the head they, coach has a drinking problem. Have you heard this? I have not heard that. Okay, well, y'all Google that. I will. I we'll, need to do I'll that, look. too. I'm but even then, I'm just thinking of the players. I wasn't even thinking. Like, the coach, I don't know much except for he's supposed to be a great coach. Yeah. I mean, and he's calm. When you look at him, he seems real yeah. calm to me. But um, but Andy Reid seems very calm mm-hmm. when I watch him on the side of the field. So, um, which I always admire that because I would be having a heart attack. I don't know how they do it. But... <laughs> Is why you're not coaching <laughs> absolutely why there is no question i know <laughs> so um i mean i but at the so i do wonder in my head the one thing i did think about was what will it be like to go home with kelsey any of those guys any of them really no. if they lose Okay, so last year when the Eagles lost and his brother went home, and they've shown this multiple times, his daughter is like, he comes home, he's like sad, he's just a dumpty-dumpty-dump. He comes in and his daughter has her pacifier in her mouth and she was like, Daddy, you lost the game. Yeah. And he was like... I saw that part. Yep. I thought Daddy lost the game. And I was like, yeah, that's that's more real life. Like, Mm -hmm. he might have to sit and she said, his wife has said multiple times, he is the last one out of the locker room. So usually if you lose, you figure out, I'm going to be the last one out. I'm going to take time. I'm not going to go re-enter into life. I'm going to go do something. Or when you go home and you lose, you don't talk. Don't yeah. just don't talk to dad. Yeah. Just give him some time. Leave him alone. I mean, sure, there is a protocol. They've been doing it long enough that they know how to react and how to not engage with the loser that walks in and the door. And I think they're doing it for a long so long like you're saying the being involved in a relationship Mm -hmm. in a marriage to an athlete on that with that caliber you do have to adapt to what that means right yes i think the to the travis taylor point it's a new thing right i mean they're just now Mm. wandering (laughs) into this (laughs) terrain and so for people who are like uh, the ones she is going to make sure he knows how to sing Viva Las Vegas better. I'm sure. I guarantee you they're going to have voice lessons on you need to sing Viva Las Vegas better. It but was if you're so entering into a relationship with the Kelsey brothers, at some point, don't you just know they will embarrass me? Yeah. Like, they're going to embarrass yes. me. Like, Jason is going to jump out of, yes. you know, the box seats yeah. at some point but with the shirt off. any relationship, I mean- though? Like, you get to a certain point where you yeah. know this is going to happen or this is not going to happen or mm-hmm. you just kind of have to learn to go, am I going to live with this? And maybe this is a breaking point. Maybe this is a point where she's like, yeah, I'm out. Yeah. Number one, you're singing Viva For Las sure. Vegas. You sound like a fool and you can't <laughs> sing on key. That's embarrassing or whatever it is. But number two, I didn't see the footage when I was in the box of you grabbing your coach, but then I saw it later and that is disturbing. So yeah. we're going to talk about it because this does bother yeah. me. And so it'll be interesting 
We'll never see. know. We won't know. But then she see if they stay together and how much longer, right? Yeah, yeah. Or if the Swifties become too much for her. I wonder what Vegas has on you know? Taylor Swift and them. If, how long they'll be together. If they'll they're, depart uh-huh, They're lying on that one. At some point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the Super Bowl itself was great. The last half was interesting. I love was, a good Super Bowl that's yeah. close. Close. Oh. I do want to go back I and watch. I cannot not focus on the losers, though. I just, their faces. <laughs> I didn't understand. And I don't still, I could not do this. If I lost the Super Bowl, I could not sit there and have the confetti raining down on me and sitting on the bench. And some did. And they did. And yeah. I was like, go to the locker room. Get what? what? But that's their closure, I think. For some people, that's their closure. They're sitting there and they're... The psychology of it to me is very fascinating. It is very fascinating. It's super fascinating. I totally agree with that. So Valentine's Day, no plans for you then? No plans for us either? No. Well, today we have um, Brittany Green on the podcast. And we're dropping that um, on Valentine's Day. Maybe we didn't think that through all that well. Because it's not exactly a, you know... It's not always a fun topic. It's kind of a serious topic. It ended encouraging. Well, that it did. Yeah, it did. So it's good. It's just interesting yeah. facts and figures that came out about surveys that were kind of put together regarding where is mental health. Yes, yeah. for girls, girls right now. So it is Hopefully an interesting conversation. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Brittany um, Green does a good job. She does. Well, mm-hmm. she's a great girls minister. We appreciate mm-hmm. having her. We mm-hmm. know we're lucky as a church to have a girls minister because That's not true. everybody does. That's true. And we are fortunate to have someone like Brittany caring mm-hmm. for our preteens and teenagers mm-hmm. and, and keeps Chris and Sean in line too. And but we do appreciate Brittany, but we hope you enjoyed the Super Bowl this weekend. Those of you who watched it, mm-hmm. it was a fun time. And, you know, we hope you um, enjoy your Valentine's Day, mm-hmm. however you decide to use it or, or to celebrate to. it or not to celebrate <laughs> it um anyway here is um the interview with Brittany. okay we are here today it's christy and i as usual hey christy hello and we have Brittany. what's up hello Brittany. um Brittany is our girls minister and here at frisco first we're ex- always excited to have our staff here with us at the noisy mm-hmm. narratives where we get to grill them with all these questions oh, so no. you're on the hot seat today nervous but thank you for having me you're honored we can't say that that's why people don't want to be on it because there's no grilling and there's no hot oh, seat i've been on Debbie, we can't say that anymore that's why when i ask people to be there like you're gonna grill me and be on the hot seat i don't want to do that and i'll be like Aww. debbie didn't mean that she just I, was saying that Sorry. I've been on what three, four, That's five fine. times. Yeah. I've it's never, never felt grilled. So thank you for the record. It's just I mean, I always figure people think I'm being facetious, oh, but maybe yeah. somebody doesn't. No, I well, yeah, I all the like people that have turned away, turned me away. No. It's because of you. It's because of me. Yes, because I make it sound so horrible. No, it's, it's, it's not. Never feel. No, it's good. I mean, but also we talk all the time, so like yeah, it's just a normal conversation with my friends. That's right. So, That's right. It yeah. totally is. That's right. It is yeah. a conversation among friends. But tell us today, Brittany, you kind of, you start us off because um, this conversation is interesting, but a little bit heavy, yeah. I feel like. Data so we, heavy too. Data heavy, yes. <laughs> data, so data, however you say it. Smart glasses mm-hmm. and pulling out the yes. research methods from 2011 mm-hmm. that, we that we forgot about that we forgot research of course <laughs> yeah. um no so i work with teenage girls and guys like student all ministry of all of it but my emphasis is girls and and that's not like little girls a lot of people ask like girls minister do you do like elementary kids and i said no that's debbie's job <laughs> i'm giving yeah. some good teenage drama and i'll be so happy um which but, we're so happy to leave yeah, to you so, mm-hmm. so grateful to leave little kids to you so there and, we go 
women to you. <laughs> we have we have all part of yeah. girls' women's ministry oh, represented we here. We don't do. we? That's fun. All That's ages and stages. Any family would be so proud of us. Yeah, look at us. <laughs> look at us doing women's ministry. Um, but yeah, so we so about I don't, when did this come out? This came out in like May of April? last year of last of 2023. Year, yeah. so mm-hmm. 2023. All of a sudden, in our world, in student ministry world, and then some other people were like, "Did you guys see the CDC report? SOS. Teenagers are in doom." And we were like, oh, "Okay, hold on. What's happening?" Um, but the CDC had been working for about 10 years on a study, just studying teenage trends. They do this all the time, right? Like they're all constantly studying what's happening. Every 10 years, they put yeah. out a new report for the previous so 10 this years. Is the like, here's what we've been studying, and then in Mm-hmm. 2031 we'll get another report um it's a weird thing to say it is but right. so they like why i think i think probably youth ministry always gets the like here's the report what do we do about it but i think it became came to my attention a lot more because the trends in the study just show that girl rates of everything it studies like a lot of things but mental health is the biggest one that rates of girl mental health and like is on the rise in a negative way and you're saying rates of depression anxiety suicide those kind of loneliness isolation all of those things are all increasing yeah and according to this data so people so we were we got together we've been trying to do this podcast for like a while three four months months. since may (laughs) just kidding (laughs) so yeah i remember in may debbie printed out this whole thing and was like you need to read this so we just want to talk about teenage girls and how we can love them and point them better to Jesus and what we do about, you know, data is one thing, but when you think, start thinking about people's stories and like the girls in your life. So we jokingly said at the beginning of this, before we started hit record, I was like, if you're a teenage girl or you know a teenage girl or you wish you were a teenage girl, this podcast is for you. Mm -hmm. But truly if like you're in girls ministry, if you have, if you've been entrusted to disciple any type of teenage girl. So if you're a dad, you're a girls minister. If you're, an uncle, your girl's minister. Um, so yeah, if you yeah. have a girl in your life, if right. you're a coach to a girl's yeah. team, yeah, then you're, you're in girl's ministry. Yeah. So it's good. That's good. I've, I've never is. heard anybody say that before. I stole it from a friend. So that's so yeah. good. And like that uh, really of, kind of reshapes yeah. how people should think about yeah. people, God, the people that God has put in your life. Yeah. I said it to a friend that's, that's a college minister and he did not like it, but, but I was like, there's a lot of girls in your college ministry. So you're actually doing girls ministry. <laughs> so does he not like the fact that he's having to girls? Uh, or no, just he was just joking. Being a goofball. He was like, don't call me a girls minister. <gasps> but Rude. it was mostly a joke. So We're cut yeah. him. He's out. He's not on staff at this church. He said, well, yeah, we don't hire people like yeah. that. So that's Kate fine. would be honored to be a girls. That's minister. right. Yes, he would. So. <laughs> anyway, sorry. We digress. <laughs> yeah, but that's okay. We do that a lot here. We digress. That's good. That's good. So where do we want to go? Where do we want to go from here? Brittany? Uh, I don't know. Debbie has the outline. <laughs> I feel like Debbie wrote things down. Throwing the ball. We're just going to th- toss the ball. It's going to be great. Okay. So the purpose of the study, the purpose oh. of the study is just to give us information, right? Mm-hmm. What are the highlights? One of the highlights is 29% of high school students experience poor mental health during the past 30 days. All those that are surveyed, right? Is what they're saying. So this survey happened in the years 2001 to two, I mean, Mm-mm. 2011 to 2021. Right. right. Mm-hmm. And so during those, the, that, um, decade, they surveyed people at different times, students, 
right? And what they notice through the decade is a rise in certain things from decades prior, okay? And one of the things was high school students that are experiencing poor mental health went up quite a bit. I mean, 29% is almost 30%. That's a third Mm -hmm. saying they had a mental health crisis, not just a general feeling of sadness, but like a crisis. And so those are the kind of data points that we're talking about. So what are some others you feel like kind of stand out to you? Yeah. I mean, one that was kind of shocking to me was that 30% of female students, this was in 2021. Um, so not like all this data is from the end of the decade. So 2021, 30% of female students drank alcohol in the last 30 days. And that just Mm -hmm. kind of blows my mind that, you know, almost a third Third of of students are drinking drinking alcohol. And those are girls specifically. Yeah. That was girls specifically. So I don't know. That was just a line that Mm -hmm. I read. So I don't know when you count them all together, I'm sure it is about the same or whatever. Like it didn't say it was like more than boys, but, um, but one line in the study said female students are faring more poorly than male students. So I think that girls are just struggling is what more girls are bullied than boys. Yeah. You kind of break down that one to that part of just struggling. Yeah. There's just a lot of poor mental health rates, suicidal thoughts, behaviors are higher. Um, it says 60% of female students experience persistent feelings of sadness or hopelessness during the past year, and nearly one in four students made a suicide plan. Mm. Of girls, which is... And I think they were saying that um, suicide plan was about the same as before. Maybe I read that wrong. But, oh, yes. So but 2011... attempting and making it, like, those were on the rise a little bit but so 2011 13% were making a plan by 8 by 2021 there was 18% yeah so it did go up but experiencing persistent feelings of sadness 28% in 2011 and 42% in 2021 well and even on the the graph not that talks out. about attempted suicide even beyond the plan actually attempted 13% in 2021 of girls attempted suicide and 7% of boys. Mm. Boys have stayed stayed relatively the same Mm -hmm. over the 10 years previous. Girls have gone up by like 3%. But I didn't realize... Still alarming that 7% Still alarming that, yes, feeling suicidal, but... That it's so much more girls than boys. I didn't know that. That 13%, that's more than 1 in 10 girls Mm -hmm. um, attempting suicide. Just the types of numbers that are just sad. Mm -hmm. And... They do break it down even by your race and ethnicity, which is mm-hmm. interesting. American Indian or Alaskans, 27% of those considering attempting suicide. Asians, 18%. Blacks, 22%. Hispanics, 22%. White, 23%. Multiracial, 24 But mm, seriously considered attempting suicide, sexual identity, LGBTQ, 45% compared yeah. to the 15% that had a sexual Oh, that's painful. It is. It's, I mean, that's one in a dark and lonely place. That is horrible. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's horrible. Um, Yeah, and I, it's interesting because they even talk about if you, if they feel close to people at school or not. And that makes a difference because Mm -hmm. of connection versus isolation, um, which we talked about some. But you have to imagine there's a reason because there was even another um, study that we had printed from After Babel, if anybody's interested in looking it up. But they talked about how this is actually kind of a global thing. This isn't just the U.S. Right. Yeah. And 
something happened around 2010, they said that's when they see their stati- the statistics kind of change um, quite a bit for globally youth general, for youth yeah. in general and just get worse. Um, and that's kind of what we're seeing here too, 2011 to, 21, or tw- to 2021 for girls. Um, but there's a lot of different ways to interpret the data. So how would you interpret some of this, Brittany? Like based on what you're seeing, cause you're living in this life all the time. You're yeah. with teenage girls often. How and would I've, you piece that together? I mean, I've been in student ministry almost 16 years total. I started in college in Arkansas. So I dealt with some way different things in the mid early 2010s. Um, and just so, super different context. And so then to come like, to live in Frisco and live with, do life with teenagers for, you know, 12 years is, I don't know. Like, I think you could look at data and just be like doomsday, right? The sky is falling. Students everywhere need to like stay home and, you know, whatever. They don't need to stay mm-hmm. home, but you know, like lock them up <laughs> but and you like, wanna lock make them, them up. feel happy yes, and whatever. As a parent, but, yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like keep them safe and secure and have their good well being. But, um, but I think that like you can look at data And I think it's important that we do just to know and be aware. And like when having conversations with students, we can, you know, just be kind of aware of like those key phrases and words that they're like that show, oh, you're feeling really lonely in this. And like you're putting on a good face, but maybe you're actually experiencing more sadness and isolation than you realize. Um, And so I think like parents don't freak out. It's going to be okay. Like Mm -hmm. the Lord is still good. And, um, and he knew this data coming in and he knows what's going to happen with this generation of students that they had been surveying for 10 years. Um, and so I think that, yeah, I think that what we do with it is like, we just love people and we are aware of like what resources we can point people to and helping them. I don't know. I think it's, it's really fascinating to me to like, just look at why everything happened. So you said like we're, 2011 2010 is when this after Babel says there's a shift in everything and um you can look at i don't know what was going on in the world at that time is um like you know there's a lot of political stuff happening from forever there's you know afghanistan and all that mm-hmm. was still happening in 2010 um and but also, also natural s- disasters too in 2010 oh, yeah okay natural yeah, right about that. So if you start hearing about all these things, the technology was booming. And so the world starts getting way more accessible. Um, so Gen Z is one of the first generations to be, which is people who were teenagers at Mm -hmm. this time. Um, or I guess maybe they're a little babies at the time, but, um, they're like becoming way aware of what's going on in the world. And so they're very much like I can Google and, find out what's happening in Miramar and know and have like Mm -hmm. empathy for these people. But then with that is great. Like, okay, information is awesome. But sometimes what we're seeing with Gen Z is that they're taking on so much that they don't know how to like process through what's really happening in their own real life world, but we're going to take on all these causes of everyone else. And so they're like really empathetic as a generation, which is awesome, but almost like probably from a mental health standpoint, is like almost too much. So, because then you 
like if you're a teenager at that time, you don't really know how to process, like I'm seeing all this craziness. So they're happen. getting so much information right. before their emotional quotient Probably, is kind of yeah. ready and prepared yeah. to know what to do with it. Right. Now, that's a great point. Yeah. Yeah. And then social media is on the rise. So not only does like the information come with it, but with social media comes so much comparison and mm-hmm. like, and they're just growing up in a lot of, a lot of things that like I learned in sixth grade, how to girl fight, but I didn't learn how to girl fight plus text plus like post pictures at the same time. Like and it's in your pocket. It lives on you. It's connected to your hand um, with the watch. And so I think that. How did you learn how to girl fight? I, I'm sorry. My brain is stuck on that. Uh, <laughs> do you like a right hook kind girls? of a deal or just uh, with your words? With your <laughs> eyes. Your eyes and your, your words. <laughs> so easy, isn't it? Yeah. So much of it is just like a. Oh, you're wearing that today? Mm-hmm. And just the little eyes go like, the eyebrows go up. And mm-hmm. you're like, cool. Oh, you you don't pluck your eyebrows? You wax them? Yeah. Things like that? Or so there's still that, but now it's <laughs> yeah. a company with well, it's a magnified. picture right. it's but that I take a picture of yeah. whatever you're wearing and I post it and right. I'm like, yeah. I you roll text it to underneath and, yeah. or you text it. Yeah. Okay. Or you do it on your private story or you do yeah. it not acting like you're not doing it with somebody like for somebody and that person's in the background and you're being oh it's horrible means girls horrible. are so mean so and so even mean. just like the texting of like your shirt was cute period yes. when you like what if some you know fifth grade girl is meaning it like i really like your shirt yeah. but she doesn't know how to text and but the period makes it really like i like your shirt yeah it was horrible mm-hmm. or can i have your homework k and then the case like, oh, she's mad that I asked her for her. Maybe that girl didn't know how to text mm-hmm. and she was like, it's just an okay. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, you can have my homework. And mm-hmm. I don't know. So learning all of that, like social stuff is just like wild. But the also like, I don't know. I think with the 2010 is when Instagram became more social. Twitter was like mm-hmm. flying off the handle. And in a fun way, as a college student, I thought it was fun. But <laughs> I'm sure later on it got, it gets crazy. And then Snapchat came into the picture, would you say, 2012, 2011? That was, yeah, it was before, yeah, you, Christy had read that so earlier, then you can but really Snapchat like, comes in. The pictures go away, yeah. so I can yeah. send a mean thing to someone else, and they're like, oh, yeah, that girl does stink. So Yes. Yeah. It does Snapchat's turn into a dumpster fire. Instagram hits the market 2010, Snapchat 2011. Facebook moves from MySpace to the most visited site in the world from in 2008. I'm going backwards. Twitter is 2006, but yeah, it's all right there in that, that time frame. It took all of them to like time to catch on. hundred so percent. Instagram, what'd you say? 2010, 2010, but really it was like a photo editing app. I, cause yeah. I remember I was an early adapter. <laughs> yeah. It was real cool. Posted some pictures in my dorm room and nice. Yeah. Cause the filter was fun. And then, then you started adding friends and you're like, Oh, don't look at my, this picture. I took well, up a cookie. <laughs> well, you may remember Facebook yeah. being bigger than Instagram. Mm-hmm. So that's 2008 and give it a couple years and it's on fire and yeah. then Instagram. And that was like, that's like the slow adapters or the fast adapters. Yeah. It was still there mm-hmm. kind of lurking in the, yeah. In I think teenagers right space. now, they have all of it, right? So like all of it, when we were growing up with technology, we just kind of got one at a time. Yeah. And you like, were kind of growing with it to, versus yeah. it being there. Right. Yeah. There's there's I, got, I got MySpace in high school. I wasn't supposed to, but. I did. Don't tell mom and dad. Yeah, don't tell Ruth. Um, <laughs> actually, a friend made it for me, so I had like a cop out of like, I didn't do it. She did she it. Did. I had no. I don't even know the password. You know. Um, <laughs> Put your password safe. That's fine. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Uh, and then you know, so like we got to like adapt with the new mm-hmm. ones, whereas now they can just have all of them, 
and they use them all for different purposes, but it's just so much overload of, I think, I don't know. I don't know. I think social media can be fun and good. And I think that there's like a good way to do it and healthy way. That's like fun. And, but I don't, I think you should do it in a wise way and like maybe just start with one app at a time and like you can Mm -hmm. have these seven friends on your Instagram and mom and dad sees everything you're posting so that you know when you post a dumb thing then we can have a conversation about it and like do it in a healthy way <laughs> not just like free reign of like i want to post everything uh, oh we so. our house we have one kid that posts and the other two are like i cannot believe you put that out there <laughs> it's not inappropriate it's nothing it's just dumb just, yeah it's just dumb and i think he's even doing it to elicit like their the response uh-huh their response because that's how he rolls mm-hmm. but it is hilarious that is a stupid thing you look so ridiculous and he's like i'm proud i'm proud look what <laughs> I, I don't did. care oh i'm gonna do it again and post another one i take that down and it's nothing it's not mean it's nothing it's just they but give i know him those other time. two don't post hardly anything nothing so they're like uh-huh we're just living our life in the real life yeah so yeah they yeah, don't make sense that it's hilarious watching that take place and i just love to sit and listen just like this is so funny watching y'all like get crawl all over him and he's just so proud like <laughs> sing again look how many likes i have you got nothing <laughs> Sorry, I thought it so, that. um, if, so the, I think what's hard is when you hear, when you see this data, right, there's either this, like you were saying, oh my goodness, I don't want my kids to be out in the world where this could impact them. Yeah. I want to lock everything down. I want to control mm-hmm. things, right? There's that tendency. Yeah. And then there's the tendency just to worry all the time, to be anxious. You're like, I know I can't lock them down, but I'm just going to be anxious um, I'm going to follow them all the time. I'm going to think about it all the time. I'm going to get out like 360 and, you know, yeah. find my iPhone and I'm going to stalk and I'm going to just look at everything. Like so how do you, parents, mental health is on the rise. Exactly. Great. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. It is. Yeah. And then it impacts the kids more right, because true. we don't. So what is your suggestion? Like what is a mom and dad or parents or whoever you're saying who have girls in their life? they care about mm. what are they supposed to do with this to kind of keep from the tendency or the temptation to over index right extreme. yeah yeah well i'm not an expert and i'm not a parent so but you're around girls all the time oh yeah so there is but a I'm little bit saying, of your like, expertise here and i don't parents. research all the time parents. so yeah. yeah i just wanted to yes you know, in case no i'll come I, at I, you later yeah <laughs> yeah yes. but liable. i think that what um man we can just look at so much data and then and hold on to all those worries and fears when we know the end of the story. Like we know that Jesus brings us hope. And so like what none of this study took into account was that like it didn't take into account religion and faith. It didn't really take into account if people were in like good community with friends. I mean, it talked about if you're connected at school, but like not true biblical community and like parents and all that thing. So I think that all of that has to do with, like, man, if you're walking with Jesus, even if, even though there's going to be struggles and sad days and whatever and bad choices and bad choices and consequences and all the things like we still have hope in Jesus. And so as a parent or an aunt or an uncle, or, you know, just a small group leader, somebody who is loving teenage girls, like, I think that understanding that their feelings are real and valid, even if sometimes you know, sometimes I talk to like a middle school girl and I'm like, oh, what, whatever you're worrying about is so silly. <laughs> like if you, if you feel small knew, to us, right, it feels it small seems very and, big to them. Yeah. Like in six months, you're going to forget that this was a whole mm-hmm. drama and 
that that pillow fight over like which small group room has the pillows was so emotionally attached to you, but it doesn't matter in the end, you know, mm-hmm. but their feelings are super wrapped up in it and feel, and I do that too, right? Like there's days when I'm like so upset about something and then I'm like, same oh, here. It doesn't change. The thing I was ever mm-hmm. upset about, but my feelings felt super real that day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so totally not that my reaction was always valid, mm-hmm. but, but to like remind them, Hey, we, we know that like, that God has authored our emotions and he wants to know about our emotions. And so even though this data is saying one thing, like, I think that our, this generation of like Gen Z, Gen Alpha, like they're on fire for the Lord. They're hungry for truth. They're hungry for like what's real and authentic and they want to be inspired by faith stories. And, um, and so I think that just like stewarding their faith is going to, go so much further than like stewarding their mental health and and we need to like be aware of it obviously and when things are heavy and hard and then there's you know there's counseling and there's friends and there's all the things that we need to take the right steps but at the same time if we take Jesus out of the equation then we're only putting a band-aid on a bigger problem problem. right so um so what does that look like on a practical level like on a day-to-day level yeah. when you're um, talking about stewarding your daughter's faith versus, cause you said stewarding her faith and her love for Jesus over stewarding her mental health. And I think sometimes people to you, where you're going, I think with this mm-hmm. question is some people steward their mental health and don't, and don't steward, steward, their steward their faith yeah. because the faith is what's mm-hmm. helping yeah. the mental health get back yeah. center almost yeah. at times. I think it's just, I mean, it sounds so simple. Maybe, maybe it doesn't, but I think like reminding them of what's true. And so pointing them to the Bible, encouraging them to read the Bible for themselves and not just the Instagram post or just know about Jesus. Um, but like to truly like, Hey, let's read this Bible together and learn who Jesus is together. And, and even just like, just read through the gospels every month and like encouraging a girl to just start with who Jesus is and, um, or a guy, anyone really. But, um, but I think we, we like, there's so many times we got to just go back to the basics of like show up to church because biblical community is good and healthy. And, um, there's just something about being in a community of girls who are like-minded and believe what you believe. And, um, even if you're like struggling with, if you think the Bible is true, there's data that shows that being around church people is going to be better for your mental health than being around non-church mm-hmm. people. And, um, you can have great friends, but if they're not believers, it's, it just is different. And there's something about like the like-mindedness of being a believer, but like, yeah, like going to church, reading your Bible, encouraging them to pray and like helping them with like, Hey, let's journal our prayers or let's go through mm. this Devo together. Um, like, I know it sounds simple of like, just pray, but like really teaching them here's like, just talk to God. And mm-hmm. like, he wants to hear all your cares and he takes all your burdens and his yoke is way easier than the homework that's overwhelming and um I don't know just simple reminders or even just like putting bible verses all over and maybe it it might seem like you're annoying your kid but like just go over the top with like your lock screen is going to be a bible verse or we're going to talk in the car like you're there's so many good conversations that could happen on a car ride like to and from the grocery store I feel like that's I don't know where my mom probably discipled me the most was like driving around and um because you're sitting side by side so you don't really have to look at each other in the eyeball but you're still like stuck in a place. And so mm-hmm. there's just so much that can happen. And like, Hey, how is it going with that friend? And okay, well, have you prayed about it? Or have you mm-hmm. like, what do you think? And I don't know if that's 
helpful, but like, it's very I helpful. Think maybe if we just like, we want to overcomplicate a lot of things and yes. like, give me a formula, give me this, but like really like we just need to return to the things we know to do and like show up at church, read your Bible, find community. Well, and I think probably part of it too is mom and dad. That's also you needing to do that. Absolutely. Like I do think a lot of, cause I talked to a lot of fourth and fifth graders and um, when I hear their struggles, a lot of times, sometimes it has to do with um, some really hard um, discussions about the Bible, about stories they don't understand that are very heavy, mm, yeah. that are difficult. And then they look in the world and they see all this stuff going on in the world. And mom and dad have a hard time having those conversations because they don't know yeah, how to talk to about that, how what to do with that either. Yeah. So, so much of it is you know, preparing our own hearts mm-hmm. as parents. Right. Yeah. And then even as minister, like you're saying, like Christy said, and you said earlier, if you coach a team, if you, your kid, the kids mm-hmm. that you're involved with are going to come across things that are heavy and hard. Yeah. And so how do you prepare yourself to have those conversations yeah. well ahead of time? Because they're coming. Yeah. I and mean, teenagers are hungry for it. They like, are. They, they're tired of the self-help style. Cause they've grown up with, you know, the little cute books that are on the shelves and of like your whatever it is to self-help. And they and see like, the people putting one thing on Instagram right. and living something different yeah. and they hate that. Whereas like, I feel like my generation has a hard time of like figuring out like what's real versus what's on yeah. Instagram. Like I don't, is it the same? And the comparison there is probably a little harder for some of us adults, but they know automatically cause they're they the do. ones putting out something on Instagram, but their behind the scenes reel is mm-hmm. different than the highlight reel. And so, but they're just, like they're like we know when you're like giving us an answer that we want to hear but yes. we want to know the real truth they'd rather talk about real serious things even if it's hard yeah than to just be like placated and whatever well if you have fourth and fifth grade parents too i think that feel intimidated by what their kids are coming home with church and they're not prepared you can be prepared like in that moment like god will prepare you in that moment right of being like well where is that in the bible what'd you read about and then get what a great opportunity to walk with them together yeah. versus panic and being like the kid's gonna think less of me it's because right. i don't know the kid's not gonna and even they, have that thought yeah no. they want to discover it with you yeah like they're the way that they want to be led is more of a co-pilot situation totally anyway. and it's okay to say yeah. i don't know but don't leave the don't leave it hanging yeah. say i don't know but let's look at this together or let me do some research some thoughtful prayer and yeah. then let's come and back and have this conversation yeah. go get Absolutely. a bible that has commentary on it too yeah. like be like hey For let's sure. pull up the bible and look yeah. if this is what the commentary says right there yeah. back yeah. to car rides too is we did this, and I think I've talked about this before, is not allowing your kids on their phone in the car. Because mm, now kids have phones at an early age, so now you're losing that yeah. time. I mean, my kids ebb and flow. There are days that I don't say anything about the, the phones, and there are days I'm like, get off the phone. Oh, my God, you say it all the time. Get on the phone. I'm like, yeah, because I want to talk to you. Like, I enjoy having a conversation with you. And it probably takes them about two minutes to, like, unwind from being so angry they can't be on the phone. And then we engage in conversation. Mm. But you do have to be very intentional and don't lose the car ride. Yeah. Because that's super Especially crucial. if you're tired. I think it's very tempting if you're tired or it's been a long day and you're in the car to let everybody do their own thing 100%. so you can have quiet. <laughs> and so I think resisting that a little bit and pushing through because mm-hmm. they're feeling that way a little bit and they're yeah. exiting. And so I think having that endurance is hard some days, but it's worth it. Mm-hmm. If you at least like to Christy's yeah. point, maybe you don't do it all the time, but at least you do it mm-hmm. some of the time. And you're right? insistent about it. Yeah. And be like, she's not going to back down on this mm-hmm. one because I haven't done it two or three times. And the one I'll pull up on and be like, 
sorry, I'm I'm going to swatch. I'm going to now start swatting you. I'm going to put my hand behind my 18-year-old son and swat him. Because put the phone down. He's like, oh, my God, fine. <laughs> because I haven't done it over and over. And I don't right. do it every time we get in. Right. Yeah. Right. But there are times I'm like, no, I want to talk to you. Because that speaks to another point with the information. You wonder then um, at the isolation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because social media is one thing, right? Where you're putting things up, comparisons, mm-hmm. like we we're talking about. But there's also the isolation that being yeah. so digital has caused. So you're really connected to someone across the world, but you're very isolated physically and like in your own neighborhood. So talk about how you've seen that impact girls, just in your own ministry, the isolating part of just culture in yeah. general. Not it, social media is a piece of it, but um, our tendencies to kind of pull into ourselves when things are hard well it's interesting because the study came out in 2021 so like a lot of the data that they were showing is like students who were like super in the pandemic of like high isolation so I think like what a lot of from what I'm reading and I'm reading a book on gen alpha right now and I've talked to a lot of friends that are what's a gen alpha gen alpha is 13 and to birth people born in 2023 middle school and down right now and then the babies that are born this year i think are going to be the next generation (laughs) isn't that crazy yeah yeah so So tell us more about gen alpha so well what they're seeing um is that this they like well just in teenagers in general but like they're wanting to highly be connected so they Mm. they understand the digital world but they're like we don't want to live there we want to be like they understand the need for because they were Mm-hmm. so formative when we were at home for mm-hmm. so long that they're like, we got to have connection. And so, and they had the connection at home because yeah. we were all yeah. at home together. The, the pendulum is swinging. Cause what I'm seeing too in elementary at like for a while with phones, we were having, we were dealing with say, taking them up in like second grade. Right. Yeah. But now I'm not seeing any of that. I'm seeing oh. fifth and that's it. Like the kids do not have phones young yeah. anymore. And I think part of his parents, of Gen Alpha are recognizing that, right? They're seeing yeah. the impact all that had, and they're like, we're not doing that. But they're saying that, like, teenagers right now have a high sense of, like, family. Not all of them, right? You have mm-hmm. you have the typical yes. teenage angst that they're, like, wanting to experience freedom and push mm-hmm. away, but also they know because we've had so much quality family time at home. Not everyone, obviously, but they're going to the, – this next upcoming generation is going to have a high sense of family values and family, like – Awesome. family quality time well what's interesting so, is they like being at home too i was yeah. reading like there's a huge majority majority of now kids of teens that don't even want to drive yeah because oh, they yeah, like yeah, being yeah. at home which is kind they of they actually are okay not going out yeah. which is very interesting to me too yeah. but they're okay with that that's yeah. been trending for a while though. it has been but it's peaked they said the last yeah. like five years and we see yeah. it yeah. Go yes. because driving is scary and yeah. so like traffic is bad and so i think a lot of Ugh. a lot of our students are just scared to drive because they see the traffic, but they haven't experienced it yet. So yeah. once they experience it, they're like, Oh, I love I can driving manage. now. And I love the freedom and I go 75 on Preston mm-hmm. and it's really scary for the rest of us. But, um, and honking the horn doesn't mean I lose my salvation. <laughs> I'm just going to throw that out there. You, you, Jesus still loves you. You still love Jesus. I, use my horn. Okay. I know that's what I'm saying. You haven't and lost your salvation. Yeah. It's okay I to honk the horn. So when you're, you're on your phone, yeah. I like literally never really use my horn I, ever. Shocker! <laughs> no, you're hurting their feeling. You're, yeah. you're mad. That's totally oh, true. Feel bad that they're on their phone. Get off your phone, <laughs> baby. Move it. <laughs> no, I'll help you. I'll lean over. 
Me and your husband will lean That's over and honk the horn. Yeah. I use it more of like a, it's I have sat through a light instead oh, of honking sure. my oh, horn. Sure. Stop. I don't doubt it. <laughs> That's incredible. Don't doubt it. And now that you're saying that, I'm totally getting red because I'm like, That's She true. is actually bright It red. feels so stupid. Yes, <laughs> I've sat there and I sat in a light instead of honking my horn. I feel really dumb. But did you have your hand even on the horn? Like, no. I'm going to do it. You're like, like it's not even a thought. It doesn't even cross no. my mind. No. Oh my did you not even you get out of your car? Lights? Now, when I will honk, it's when somebody's... Did you bump their bumper? <laughs> Just kidding. Did you get really close? Did you ram them? <laughs> what will happen is, like, if somebody's in the car with me, they're like, Mom, honk your horn. I'm like, okay. Like, you know, maybe. But if I'm never, if I'm by myself... I'll flicker my lights. Like, just uh, flash them as, like, an awareness. But then... So but I'm very... Quick to honk. Easy. Uh, nobody's surprised. If they know me <laughs> I don't at think all. You should take I'm... it personal. This is me just going, hey, you're missing yeah. it. You're not paying attention. Beep, beep. Now, no. if it's angry, I'm going to lay on the horn. I don't do that often, but oh, just a little like horn. awareness. That's I so also funny. learned to drive when I was like traveling to a lot of <laughs> other countries. Like, even when I'm driving in the mountains, like, we'll go to West Virginia for a mission trip. And I like was very aware of how they drove in Jamaica around the mountains and mm-hmm. they'd honk before they come around because it's a blind corner yeah so just to be aware of like someone's on the other side now there was and a i'll do that and students are like what are you why are you talking why Jamaica, are you doing man? because <laughs> what if someone on the other side of that mountain is flying? and they're driving and they are yeah. over there they're like driving yeah. to the beat of their own drum but that so, is funny yeah. i i think too um they say that they're i think Real fast, I'm impressed that you know back where we started because I have no idea where we're at. Okay. (laughs) We were talking about isolation. Yes, isolation. I'm bringing us back around a little bit. And how people don't want to drive. Um, And I, because we were talking about Gen Alpha, and I think Gen Alpha and Gen Z, um, Gen Z before them, which is like my, our college kids' age, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Old high school, high school through. Kids born 96 to like 2008 ish. I think so. I can't okay. do math, but yeah, because Bella's like 2006. She's Gen Z, so she's yeah. So it's got to be yeah in there somewhere. But I feel like they and they know they're they have a real good conversation around mental health, mm-hmm. right? That age group, they know the Gen all Z. the words. They know all the words, almost to the point. Like counselors I talk to say, it's to the point though where it's such an identity. Mm-hmm. their mental health issues mm-hmm. that now becomes a struggle for them mm-hmm. to help them climb out of it. So if you have someone who's sitting in isolation, anxiety, and depression for a long yeah. time, they that can't it. be good, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. That that is their identity now because that's where they find their yeah. community mm-hmm. is in that discussion. I always picture, I don't know, there's this old, like old school church skit that like the, the sins are like hanging around people's necks and they, put them on Jesus, but like, it's like a sign of like who Mm -hmm. they are and not that mental health is a sin, but that's just like the picture I get of like when like they want like students and college and people just want to own like my anxiety, my depression and which labeling it and naming it's great. There's nothing wrong with it. It's when they call it mine is I picture like them having those signs around them, their neck and just sitting in it like crisscross and like just sitting and holding it and being Mm. like, this is me. This is my identity instead of like, maybe not having it hang around their neck, but just like holding it loosely. Yeah. Loosely. And like, I struggle with this and that's valid to say and good to name. Right. And when we like air things and when they come to light Mm -hmm. is when freedom comes, but to say like, I struggle with this and I don't know how long I'm going to struggle with this, but Mm -hmm. I, but it's not my identity because Jesus is my identity. And, and I don't know how I don't, you're going to ask how, how we do this practically but I don't super know of like except for reminding people hey your identity is Jesus and he's bigger than whatever we're going through and maybe Mm -hmm. we're gonna struggle with this or we're gonna you know there's just 
things in all of our lives that we could say, like, I desire something different in my life in this aspect and I'm still desiring that, but we can find contentment and joy in Jesus and hold both and still work to like be free of depression and free of anxiety or free of sadness or loneliness or whatever. But, but not just owning it of like, here's who I, this is what I am, but saying I'm a child of Jesus. Yep. I also struggle with these things. And recognizing the freedom in that mm-hmm. maybe. Yeah. Yeah. No, it is temporary. Right. It's going to pass. Right. You're going to treat it. You're going to yeah. prayerfully walk through it and not own it. But that's such a good visual though, of yeah. how some kids legit like put it on just and hold it. And like, this is yeah. my label versus just having like a temporary cue card of like next line. Yeah. I'll, I'm also have depression. I also am joyful. That's I also right am a, you know, one of two kids. Yeah. I also am this and this. Many and things flowing. that make yes. up who you are. Yes. And it's not that one Instead thing. Of saying like I am all of my insecurity. How defeating is that to just be like, yep. I'm insecure about all these seven things and that's only who I am. But yeah. to say, no, I deal with these and I'm trying to give them to Jesus. But yep. I ultimately, that's not who I am. That doesn't define me. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's mm-hmm. good. That, yeah. And that's hard for adults to do. Oh, but it's sure. really hard for a generation that has had so much discussion around mental health more than I think any generation before. Yeah. Which is, we've given them words and language, but at the same time, mm-hmm. like you're saying, there's also the tendency yeah. to make it our identity, and then yeah. that's where the struggle is. Okay, so as we wrap up, we've been talking for a long time, believe it or not. I've got yeah, a Bible right? story if you want to tie that yeah, in let's, God hearing Yeah, let's tie us. it in. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Let's go. It's the story of Hagar, and we don't mm-hmm. dwell on Hagar very often, but I love Hagar's story recently with regarding Abraham. So Abraham and Sarah, that's why then Sarah wasn't didn't think she could have kids. So she gives, um, Hagar to Abraham and they have Ishmael, but there's a scene in Genesis 21. I'll start in 14. It says early in the morning, Abraham got up, took bread and water skin and put them on Hagar's shoulder and sent her and the boy away. Sarah's mad that Hagar and the boy are there. I think the boy even says like he laughs at, um, their son. And so she's like, I want him out of here. Cause he's not very nice. He's mocking. I think the word is mocking. So Ishmael mocks Isaac. And so Abraham is like, okay, you have to leave. Anyway, so uh, it says she left and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. When the water in the skin was gone, she left the boy under one of the bushes and went and sat at a distance about a bow shot, bow shot away. And she said, I can't bear to watch the boy die. While she sat at a distance, she wept loudly. That's not the only thing she's mourning, right? Not the fact that her son, but the fact that she had to leave. She left all of her people, all of her community. She's all by herself. She heard the boy, God heard the boy crying and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, what's wrong, Hagar? Don't be afraid for God has heard the boy crying from the place where he is. Get up, help the boy up and grasp his hand for I will make him a great nation. Then God opened her eyes and she saw a well. So she went and filled the water skin and who know how, who knows if that, well was there before, mm-hmm. right? Like it could have been one of those one where God's like, and we're going to put a well right there. <laughs> Water skin and gave the boy a drink. God was with the boy and he grew. He settled in the wilderness and became an archer. He settled in the wilderness of Paran and his mother got a wife for him from the land of Egypt. But I love that because God does see her. Like he sees her, he hears her in all the distress. And you can read into all the fun things that you think Hagar's going through as she's roaming the wilderness. But to see your boy cry and I think with mental illness or dealing with someone, you feel like God doesn't hear you, but he does. He sees you. And sometimes she could have been sitting right there and the well could have been 20 feet away, but she's so depressed. She's so sad that she doesn't even have the ability to see it. Look up. Yeah. And God's like, 
there's the well. It's just, all you have to do is just go right there. <laughs> and so it's that ability yeah. to, to, to look up, mm-hmm. to see God, and to cry out to him too. But to know that God does hear you. And to look outside ourselves. You're exactly right. 100%. To not be so, not be focused so inward. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And that's very true. And that's hard because when we see our kids struggling, if it's not lifted mm-hmm. quickly, it can feel mm-hmm. weighty. Oh, yeah. it does. And so then you're just, you feel like you're crying all the time and mm-hmm. you're wondering when the end is coming. But God does hear. Mm-hmm. He does hear. He does know. Mm-hmm. And it's not um, new to him. Like, no, he yeah. doesn't you give look us throughout depression. scripture. Mm-hmm. You see it from the beginning of time that mm-hmm. we're struggling with sin, but we're struggling with loneliness and isolation and mm-hmm. depression and anxiety. And like God is still good through all of it. He's still faithful through all of it. So um, a friend yes. of mine asked me this, texted me this question last week and he said he's, he was preaching at his church, I guess. And he was like, I'm he's, his question was like, what is the faith of the next generation worth? And I just thought it was like, Mm. it just popped in my head as you were reading this, but I was like, everything. I was like, it's worth you. Like if we're talking about the mental health of our teenagers and just the souls of our teenagers, like why wouldn't we give everything to point others to Jesus? What did your text say? It's so well well uh, written because you're a writer. Well, I don't know if it's well written. It's like, uh, but I said it's worth, um, worth them discipling the younger, younger generation, giving resources like a budget. Cause we were talking in church terms. Um, and, but also for adults to spend their time to serve in student college kids ministry, the next generation is hungry for solid truth. They're tired of, um, self-help and just, um, fluff. They can see through the surface level, anything they love older people more than like us millennials did. According to some research, they just love grandparents. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, generation just loves old people there's value in mentoring small groups discipleship relationship adults get excited about the next generation and so mm-hmm. um but also i said scripture is pretty clear over and over that one generation declares it's god's works to the next and um and so then i ended with what it's not worth is an app like what it's not worth is an apathetic older generation that's bitter and has a negative view of a generation on the brink of revival because you just see it popping up over yes. and over that revivals happening with this younger generation gen z gen alpha like all of them um and it's not worth missing out on how god is moving and for a generation to miss out on who god is so i don't know i just think that like man jesus is bigger than our mental illness it's bigger than Mm -hmm. like these stats that are (laughs) crazy and man you should take a look at the cdc report because there's some other stuff in there that is eye-opening and probably parents need to look at more that so. we could talk about on here. Yeah. yeah and then go sure. read the gospels. Yeah. And then go read the gospels <laughs> and get and to like, know Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> and there's not a quick fix, but that's what makes our dependence on God, mm-hmm. on Jesus as, a, as our savior, even more yeah. important because we're not fixing this overnight. Right. We're not fixing our kids. We need, saving. we, we need saving. It's not gonna just happen overnight. Yeah. And so the and patience that's process. required for yeah. the spirit kind of, we, the patience that required, the self-control, mm-hmm. the understanding, the yeah. kindness, the peace, mm-hmm. um, the gentleness. I mean, it's, it requires a lot mm-hmm. of us, but that doesn't mean yeah. um, that with Jesus' help, we can't do and it. And parents' so. voices travel slowly through time. I try to tell parents a lot, like, don't freak out. Like, just because your kid's dealing with this one thing right now, like, we don't need to label them as whatever mm-hmm. they're freaking out about. But also, like, like let's. Just, it's a long process. So the days are, seem fast, but it's a long deal. So don't freak out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's good. 
That's good. Thank you so much, Brittany. Mm -hmm. We really appreciate you coming to talk to us. Hope it's helpful. It is. All right. Well, that is it from Noisy Narratives for this week. Thanks for tagging along with us, everybody. Thank you, Brittany, for being here. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Um, But that's it from us. This is Noisy Narratives out. Until next week. Bye. Life can be a